So uh, Scotty Pickleball says, introducing her new sponsor, Band-Aids by Johnson & Johnson. I mean, hi, Johnson & Johnson. Do you need our uh, email address, website, or uh, phone number? Okay, here's what I'd say to Scotty Pickleball. I will give you 10% royalties on any deal you can do for me with uh, Tylenol and Band-Aids. Let's go, Scotty Pickleball. <laughs> Get after it. Call my agent, Josh. Today on the pod, we will recap Jill's MLP Major League Pickleball experience, the highs and the lows, and what's coming up in the next MLP. And then we will discuss some friendly and not so friendly comments on Instagram. Following that, you'll hear some Dear Jilly B questions on court positioning and how best to support your partner. I can't wait to see what's up with episode three, This Pickleball Life. Let's get it cracking, baby. You tuned in now to this pickleball life. I'm K-Dubs and Jilly B is my wife. She's the pro and I've got the filler. She's sweet to me, but on the court, she's a killer. Unadulterated and efficiently bringing you the best and worst things in PB. Tell your friends and stay for another. And no one loves us more than your mother. One thing's for sure, one hit and you're addicted. Grab a pile, grab a court, don't resist it. So click subscribe, let's go, let's get cracking. Things on done, let's go, let's get laughing. This Pickleball Life. So, Jill, you are finally, finally back in the nest, back home after two full weeks on the road. For an introvert, that is, that's a lot of time away from your kitchen uh, and your home bed. Uh, but uh, I want to hear about First PPA Austin um, and tell the everyday listener at home who doesn't play team pickleball events yet, minor league pickleball, it's out there, people, get with it, but what is it like to have played Major League Pickleball? And for those who don't know, what is Major League Pickleball? That's a lot of questions all wrapped up into one. So you'll have to help me out if I uh, if I miss a few. But yes, it's it's very nice to be home in my own kitchen and in my own bed and being woken up every hour by uh, our three little cats. Um, for those of you that don't know, I took a year off of professional pickleball. Uh, to pursue a career in the the corporate space of pickleball, running Duper and then working for Major League Pickleball. And at uh, Major League Pickleball Mesa uh, a couple months back, it was physically painful to sit there and watch. And I felt like I still belonged. And so when you ask, how did PPA Austin go? I'd kind of say I felt like I belonged. Like I played great matches. Tyler Lung, who's such a fantastic player, and I finished uh, T9 in a really deep field. I played on championship court against the two best players in the world. Spoiler alert, Tyler Lung, now an MLP champion in the Premier League. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. I I wasn't going to say it, but since you brought it up, I basically warmed him up for that victory. Let's be honest, you are the X factor. (laughs) Forget Dave Fleming. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, I played Ben and Anna Lee, the number one male and number one female in the world on championship court. And all I felt was like, I belong there. And yeah, took that energy into major league pickleball. And what's it like playing on a team? Oh my gosh. For those of you at home, if you're not playing in like a duper teams league or minor league pickleball, I mean, it is so much fun. If you look at the uh, national sports per country, 97% of national sports are team-based. And then like the 3% that aren't are like ping pong. No, they're like archery. 
Oh. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know archery was up there. I feel like we just looked at this. Wasn't it uh, cricket, of course, team sport, football, a.k.a. soccer, because Americans, you know, have to be weird. And, um, you know, what else is there? Tennis, kind of. I, yeah, I feel like there was like two or three other huge sports that you'd never expect. Um, but if China loves it, the world loves it, right? That's that's that's, that's a big chunk of humans. But there is nothing like Team. playing for your compadres, right? Like nothing. you can you can only enjoy something for yourself to like a level eight. Like to get from level eight to level ten, one must be doing it for and with other people because that celebration of someone else doing something well that's with what you're doing is next level. A hundred percent. And it's interesting because you have this faction of pros who are so good, so darn good when they're on the PPA tour. And then you put them in MLP, this major league pickleball team style atmosphere with two men and two women per team, and they're not performing. And I don't know if have the self-awareness to understand like, yeah, you're rolling your eyes when your partner misses a shot or you're mean to yourself and how you treat yourself is usually how you treat others. And uh, I don't even want to focus on like why it's not working with them versus why did it work with me so well? You know, we finished second place, Dallas Pickleball Club, and I'd love to take credit for that, but it's it's a team. Like we drafted a gentleman who's the number one racquetball player in the world. How cool is that? The, the number, number one racquetball, racquetball player, player in the world. Daniel De La Rosa, shout out. Yeah. Daniel De La Rosa casually plays pickleball and just so happens to be also a top in the world pickleball player. We have Brandon French, this incredible freak athlete who plays golf, who plays tennis, who plays pickleball, super underrated, comes out there, crushes it. Krista Gacheva, an up-and-coming pro, and just bringing like positivity to the team, no eye rolling. You know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. That energy just makes such a difference. Energy. Energy will win this in the wise words of All Tough Merchant, True one of the first, first events I ever watched you in. In fact, that was the event you said, hey, you know, there's some other courts over there you could be playing on. That was a very memorable uh, trip. Shout out All Tough. But um, in, in today's MLP pod, that was one of the things Dave Fleming, your coach, who not only coached you guys from, I think the last season they finished 10th, and then you guys ended up mm -hmm. second place, almost won. Really, it was right there every match. Um, but then went turn around and won with the Seattle Pioneers as a coach. So he finished first in Premier and second in Challenger, quite a feat. And what he said was was energy. He knew he needed more of a boost um, going down that stretch, especially in Challenger, where you have to play three full matches in one day. Right. Um, well, you said something to me really interesting. I think in the last podcast, you said uh, how you treat yourself is is how you treat others. And I'll never forget my first day of collegiate tennis at Pepperdine University. I threw my racket against the back fence, I missed a shot in practice. And the coach looked at me and said, get out. And I said, get out? And he said, yeah, get out of practice. And it was like the first 20 minutes of practice, you're a freshman, kicked my ass out went home, came back the next day, and I never in four years got mad again. And I turned all that negative energy into like positivity, which sounds weird, like to miss a shot and hit the back fence of the wall, to, to miss it at the bottom of the net, and then look at your opponent and go like, yes, next one, come on. That was 
a more successful tactic for my own energy and as like a mental kind of messing with of my opponent, like, oh God, who wants to play the girl or the team that's just never going to get down on themselves? That's demoralizing. That's exhausting. Who wants to play like the positive team? Nobody wants to play that team. Yes, the delusionally (laughs) positive team. And that is kind of the thing with sports psychologists is they will always say, you want to be slightly delusional Mm -hmm. about how good you are. You want to think you're just a little bit better than reality. If you're always mentally able to think you're just like 20% better than the data of your history of sports would say, you're doing the right thing. And the, the world also teaches you to be humble. So to me, I've always taken that to be, you know, let your sticks do the talking, so to speak, in golf, as we say, sticks for clubs. But point being that you can be inwardly confident and outwardly humble. But when you get in a sport that's such a battle, it's such a Mm -hmm. one-on-one, right Mm -hmm. across the net is your opponent, right? Whereas golf, you're playing the course. There is an element of a sort of evolutionary biology rewind where you are in battle you're you're mm-hmm. like on the prairie with yeah. sticks and and you know spears trying to defend your village and your house and one of the things i kept cheering for uh for you guys this weekend was not in this house right like protect this house you're protecting your partner you're winning that point for your team and um and you being such a talented golfer tennis player pickleball player tell us What's that like in pickleball compared to the other sports? And what's that like at Major League Pickleball compared to a PPA event? That's a good question. And before I answer that, I just want to let you know that I was able to look up the individual national sports that I was missing other than archery. And we do have super interesting fishing in the Cayman Islands along with cricket and football. Wait, wait, wait. Fishing in the fishing. Cayman Islands? Mm-hmm. Like what? Just fishing? fishing. Cayman Island fishing? Yeah. Why? Fishing. What, the, what do the Cayman Islands have to do with it? Well, this is a list of uh, countries and their national sports. And so... Oh, so in the Cayman Islands, their number one sport is fishing. fishing. Okay, okay. Yes. Okay. okay. And then we have one more in Anguilla. Anguilla? Anguilla. <laughs> no, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Edit the pod. Angalia. <laughs> Anguilla. That's it. That, that must be. That has to be it. Yacht racing. Wow. Are they just rich down in Anguilla? And then who would have thought in Argentina a sport called Pato, P-A-T-O, is the national sport? Is it duck racing? That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, now I have to know. It's like chicken fighting fighting in Mexico made its way all the way down down. (laughs) to Argentina. Argentina. And they're like, we have the the fancier version. We'll race the ducks. I mean, come on, how is the national sport in Argentina not football? It says Argentina is world famous for football, soccer, and football, aka soccer, and polo, but the game since 1953 that has been enshrined in law as the country's official national sport is somewhat less known. It's named Pato Duck in Spanish. Kristen, you are brilliant. Yes! 10 points. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so, so funny. funny. What, what is, is also huge in Argentina, not, not necessarily bigger than other things, things but the best players in the entire world for one specific sport, sport. Do you know? No. I'll give you a hint. Fergus. Fergus. Polo. 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 Okay, so wait, Pato? 
This is a huge, this is not a podcast on Pata. I just want to be really clear. This is a, a different P, a pickleball comedy podcast about pickleball sometimes. In all seriousness, Pato is a mix of polo and basketball. So they're throwing ducks through a field goal with mallets no, riding horses? No, they're throwing a ball into a net while riding a horse. Oh my God, really? Yes. It's basketball wow. on it's basketball Wait, on a horse. Where do the ducks come into play? I don't know where the ducks are. Okay. All right, where were we? You asked me the difference but yeah, between so like what is the difference in playing pickleball versus golf or tennis? I feel like tennis you do sometimes play doubles. You mostly play singles. Yeah. Golf is an individual sport that well, sometimes we pretend is a team sport like Ryder Cup and then and then pickleball. So I'm a scratch golfer. I played scholarship tennis at Pepperdine University. Chris and I actually met on the golf course. Um, she was giving me lessons and then I did a, a cost benefit analysis on like keep taking lessons from her at $106 an hour or marry her and get those for free. So it was a really simple answer and you know, hence where we are right now. Yeah. Obviously Jill was taking a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons. Yeah. Imagine that. And uh, I, I think about sport viewership, sports viewership in general, and there's very rarely like a bifurcation of viewership interest in individual versus team. So what I mean by that is if you look at golf, it's 90% individual and 10% like fun team events like President's Cup and Ryder Cup. And we all get riled up every you know three, four years for these marquee uh, team-based events. But there's no like 50-50 bifurcation. It's mm -hmm. 90-10. So same thing with tennis. You've got individual tennis events, WTATP, and then you've got Labor Cup and Fed Cup um, and Davis Cup. But again, that's like 90-10, maybe even 95-5. But what I think what's so fascinating about pickleball is I think like half the pros would rather just play MLP all year, right? Like they're obsessed with MLP. And I think the other half are like, I want to play both. And maybe there's only like a very small percentage, and I know my numbers just exceeded 100. <laughs> but I think there's like a very small percentage that feel like, yeah, I just want to play individual. So I'm curious where like the viewership goes. Right. If it'll be, yeah, if it'll be something where there's equal viewership interest in the team-based aspect and the individual-based aspect. And I don't know if that ended up answering your question, but for me as a player, MLP, there's nothing else like it. Now, if there were like 20 MLP events a year, well, is there nothing else like it? <laughs> well, you know, it is what it is like and nothing else is it. But uh, let's be honest, my questions are really just to fill up our time and make sure we're yakking for a minimum 30 minutes. But what my question really was about was that that battle atmosphere, which I really want to get into because obviously, and we'll talk about some of the mean tweets, the weird comments, uh, people were some somewhat like surprised by the energy of you and Brandon, which I just think is the most entertaining well, part. Well, as Zane Navatol said, nightmare team. Don't want to play that team. Nightmare team. I was very complimented by that. Right. And, you know, obviously uh, some people may uh, – may think that there's a, a time and a place for uh, getting chippy, as, as people were, were kind of calling it, you know, having having some chatter across the net. Chirp, chirp. But, um, but because golf is played over four slash five hours because people play too slow and you're playing the course and you really have to just like stay in your own 
thing. It's a very different um, energy. But even that, you look at the difference between a PGA Tour event and Ryder Cup, you see a lot more chirping. You see a lot more from, you know, yeah, Patrick Reed and yeah. finger wagging yeah, exactly. and stuff, and like people really do get riled. Yes, um, and to circle back to your to earlier answer, I honestly think a lot of PGA Tour players wish there were four Ryder Cups a year. Yeah, I mean, how great yes. would that be? Oh my gosh, from a viewership standpoint, how great would that be? From a player standpoint, how great would that be? I wonder why they don't do that. I know. I, I mean, I think part of it is Schedule's money. Full. There's yeah. like a weird thing where they're not wearing their sponsor stuff and and hats, and and I'm sure they don't even get paid head, for but, Ryder Cup. The players yeah. don't even get paid to play Ryder Cup. Which is to say, like, why didn't the PGA Tour just, like, invent a team championship? I guess they may, they may sort of have one, but, I mean, I guess we're I don't just know lucky. If the de- I don't know if the, the Dell match play counts. <laughs> no, I mean, it, but, but I was actually thinking about that, being that it was this week and um, in Austin where I went to school, um, also home of Dreamland and uh, founder Steve Kuhn. But what you see in the Dell match play is, like, the only match play of the year, and that's kind of cool. And you're like, oh, let's watch this week. It's it's match play, and you feel like you see lower scores in match play, just like you do in Ryder Cup. And people somehow rise to the occasion. Something about the risk reward factor of just winning a hole or or losing a hole. You can't have a three shot swing. Um, but either way, it brings out a lot of the best in humans in sport, and I think that's what we see out of MLP. Well, we were talking yesterday. What's so interesting about watching sports? Have you ever noticed that? As a viewer, you are only interested in seeing someone do really awesome things or really awful things and nothing in between. Yes. No one wants like <laughs> mediocre, boring ho-hum. Like, ho-hum. Oh, shot 72 today. No, they want to see you shoot 77 or 62. They want to, sh- they want they to want see, see you win your match to 21 in pickleball, like 28-26 or like 21-5 and like – Anything else within that or between yeah. that is like uninteresting. Totally. They want to see you fall all over the court yeah. or just demolish the Yeah, or like, you know, burt across the court and like do something really graceful. Totally, totally. Well, I think we've done a, a sufficient divergence on that question, but suffice it to say, I think the answer is there's something magical about MLP mm-hmm. and super cool that they decided to expand to, to 24 mm-hmm. teams this year. And um, it will be really interesting to see uh, who ends up uh, rising to the occasion in, in event three. Uh, I like your uh, your odds on Dallas to, to get into the championship championship, which will be the Monday following yeah. the San Clemente event I think, in June. I think the other thing about team play that's really hard for people coming from an individual sport, in some ways pickleball is an individual sport, even though it's team-based because you have a partner and it's 90% of the inter- viewership interest is in doubles and not singles. Um, but I think what is hard for some individual contributors or individual-minded people to fathom is you have to be a version of yourself that's best for the team, which is weird. So if you like to warm up a certain way or you like to be really quiet or you like to be really loud and those facets of yourself don't bring out the best in your team. Like one of the articles I had read about Dallas Pickleball Club, my team, was that my play style brought out the best in Brandon French. I would argue his play style brings out the best in me. So let's say it's a two-way street. That's awesome. And you could say that's like a nice coincidence. Um, But there's times where you have to manipulate that. It's not going to be natural. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is antithetical and very like anti-instinctual to a lot of individual contributors. Like you have to meld and change and be the 
whatever version of yourself brings out the best in the others. Totally. And interestingly, I mean, not to And, and as to team point captain, fingers. as team captain, that's like that is the expectation. Right, right. But not not to point fingers in any other way than like factually speaking, some of the the top five players like Matt Wright, uh, I think Deckel Barr and Riley Newman, like their their teams may have not performed at the level that one would expect. Yeah. Because you're only as strong as not only your weakest link, but just your your team synergy, your team energy, and um, you know whether that was well. It's, one it's thing funny because I think like you know a, a year ago someone would have said oh like Jill Braverman's not a team player, and I would always like hear those rumblings and think like I've led fifty person corporate teams. Like I understand the psychology behind a team. Yeah. And it's essentially just putting your interests last and the interests of the team first. That's it. Well, the beauty is when you put the interests of the team first, your interests do kind of yeah. get covered. Because at the end of the day, your biggest interest is winning. Is winning. Not that winning is the only thing that makes sport well, fun, right? Despite the old saying. But I do definitely believe that winning is a byproduct. It's not a goal that you can control. No, you don't mean to well, win and win. You always intend to win, but winning comes as a byproduct of the hard work mm-hmm. and the points that you're in one point at a time. And, and I wonder how much the desire to win can stitch a team together. So an example is when I was spending like 20 plus hours working on this trade, because I, I had entered into something called a shuffle draft. I was the number one pick. I knew I was going to end up on a team where I didn't feel like we would have the best chance of winning. But there was an opportunity to execute on a trade with Dallas Pickleball Club, which is obviously what ended up happening. And I remember speaking with um, uh, the GM of the other team, and he said to me, hey, Jill, winning can stitch up a lot of problems. Winning can really, the desire to win can bring a team together. And I remember thinking, like, that's really interesting. I've actually never thought of that, that you can put your, like, your personal issues aside with someone and the desire to win being so strong from both people could overcome and circumnavigate all all else. I don't know if that's totally true. Well, it, it kind of comes back, I think, to the, the age-old question of like, do your actions change your feelings or do your feelings change your actions? Nice. And I think any smarter people than myself would agree that it's it's the actions that actually change the feelings. And, yep. you know, the, the, you always hear from people who are, you know, fighting addiction or fighting issues in their lives like just go outside go on a walk like do a thing smile like force a smile on your face and those are the types of things that i think you're so good at which make you the best team player which obviously i'm biased right i literally signed on for a lifetime of being on your team (laughs) i'm sorry to let you know that there are no trades or drops Wait, the divorce rate in america would beg to differ i was just gonna say in california i'm not planning on any of that well, actually, okay, not not to say as team captain, like, you don't have needs. So at one point during MLP, which is probably one of my favorite memories of, of our, uh, my time at Major League Pickleball, Brandon French, my doubles partner, we lost, like, the first couple points in a mix match, and he kind of, like, did a little, like, negative energy frown, and I looked at him and went, hey, don't you give me that negative energy. I need smiles. And he turned on the like most awkward fake smile like all teeth no like no upward <laughs> upward motion just like this 
And he wanted so badly to give me what I needed, but it was such a caricature of a real smile that we just burst out laughing together. And like, there was a magic in that too. Oh my God. Watching you and Brandon on the court was magic. And in fairness, like, I know we don't want to go too deep into the pro game and we're doing exactly that this episode, but no knock on Columbus, the team that picked you and traded you, like, they ended up with on paper the better team. Like you signed up for a team where you were lifting technically duper rated players that were lower than the other players you'd be on a team within Columbus. And what I think you and I believe is that like you would rather be on that energy of that team that matched what you yeah. bring uh, and not do well then be on a, a better team where you were like struggling sometimes to to pull the energy out of people, which again, no knock, just some people energetically perform mm-hmm. at a, a different, um, you know, megahertz level. Yeah. So. Well, I think ultimately viewers want variability. And what's cool about a team format is, yeah, you can add up everyone's skill level, everyone's dupers and come out with a formula that shows with pretty high accuracy, who's going to win, but doesn't always work that way. It's way higher variability in team play than it is a PPA tour event where you have Ben and his brother, Colin Johns playing against Matt Wright and Riley Newman, like what, seven out of 10 finals. Like that's Mm. kind of crazy. You do not see that in team play because there is this intangible qualitative uh, amalgamation mesh of feelings and um, playing styles and right-sided versus left-sided. Left so from a viewer standpoint, I, I want that variability. I want that excitement. And that's what MLP brings. Yeah. So I think we beat that dead horse. Um, but just to just a quick recap, right? What happened in the first matchup against AZ Drive? Oh my God. So uh, Brandon and I were playing uh, a mixed match that I don't want to say was meaningless, but we had already already won the match. We were up 3-0. And uh, we were like, okay, let's just have fun. Let's go out. Let's win. But let's have fun. And we were playing and I was on the right side, which I don't usually play. He was on the left, which he doesn't usually play. And we both went up for an overhead and he landed with his elbow on the back of my head. I still have a bump. And it was probably one of the most painful things I've ever felt in my life. We had to stop, take a medical timeout, ice my head. Uh, I was super nauseous. I didn't know if I was going to finish the match. We fought on to win down 20. We were down 2015 in a game to 21. 92% of the time, the team that first gets to 20 wins. So we were part of that crazy 8% that fought their way back and won. Um, And now there's all sorts of funny memes circling about me (laughs) tripping and falling all over myself the rest of the day because I had a head injury. Like, it was awful. Yes. uh, Quite the thing to watch from the sidelines. I mean, it's hard enough to to watch pickleball when you're not the one on the court, but even harder when you see someone uh, who you love get injured and crumple. Like, literally, the definition of crumpling, if you watch uh, watch the playback, uh, and you're lying basically motionless for over five seconds. It feels I've like never been five hit, hours hit that hard. Like it was, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I was knocked out. I definitely wasn't knocked out, but like, I remember, I remember hold cradling my head and being like, yeah, oh my God, am I going to get up from this? 
Yeah. I've had concussions, but I've never had pain like that. Totally. Um, so tell, tell us about your uh, experience in the recovery lounge. Uh, which one? Well, first off, again, we pre-shouted out last episode, but post-shout out to Dr. Cynthia, mm-hmm. the glue of MLP. Truly. Um, but, uh, but there's a medical doctor in the, in the recovery lounge that gave literally (laughs) basically a roadside DUI test to Jill to make sure that she was able to play, which props to MLP for really caring and taking care of the athletes and having the best, um, so I've, I've never had a DUI test, (laughs) but I don't think there's anything that could be harder than a concussion test. I mean, like dead sober, no head trauma not playing in 80 degree heat, not having just exercised for four hours, like still, un- still would be so, so difficult. It was like, okay, Jill, so I'm going to read you six numbers, nine, eight, four, 12, and 22. And I need you to repeat those back to me backwards. <laughs> just when you think you've got it, you're like, okay, nine, I'm like nine, nine eight, 12, wait, 16, 14, wait, backwards. What? And so I like repeat them backwards and then he's like, okay, I'm going to say five words, apple, pear, bottom, slander, and moot. Repeat those words back to me. And then 15 minutes later at the end of the test, he's like, I said five words to you in the beginning of the test. Do you remember what those five words were? Apple bottom jeans was definitely one of them. (laughs) Apple bottom jeans. So I actually got all the five words and he was like, oh good, that only 3% of the population can get those that that last step of this process. I'm like, does that mean I don't have a concussion and can I get out of this room? Because there is nothing worse than sitting here taking this exam right now. Like I'll take my chances out on the court. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was sitting there watching this going, I literally was failing this test the whole time. Oh yeah. Kristen kept going, I'm sober. I haven't been hit in the head. I can't do this. But yeah, it definitely, it gave me a lot of faith because obviously uh, as your significant other, I wouldn't want to stand by while watching you do something that could injure you further. That'd be the the worst thing. And circumstantially speaking, as it turned out, going into that third match, we knew you were already a lock for getting out of group play. Mm -hmm. You were already set to go into um, the at least quarterfinals, and that match was basically just to determine who got the semifinal mm-hmm. um, by. But after that test, I was like, "All right, well, clearly she is fine in the brain." I think I think so, halfway through that concussion test, I realized I was going to try my hand at professional pato. <laughs> and your IQ was definitely over one forty. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was a bolster to my IQ, a real uh, totally. a real boon, a real boon. Felt good about felt good about myself going in. Felt really good until I vomited after the concussion test. Yeah, everywhere, which, which all then over the recovery like, center. Okay, we just established that she probably doesn't have a concussion. So what is this? And <laughs> to which I have just decided for my own self that it was a, a coincidence and a, a combination of Tom's Pepto cocktail. I was like, yeah, I'm nauseous, so I took some Tums. Doctor's like, here, have some Pepto. I'm like, no. I was like, I've already had Tums. Like I'm hyper metabolic. I don't need anything else. Took some Pepto and I was drinking a Coke, which I never do. Ever, but I was like so worn out. I needed some sugar. I wish I would have had something like cleaner, clean energy. Um, and I think that was like yeah. the deadly combination. I don't think it was like a con- 
concussion vomiting. Yeah, I think it's like your stomach got coated with enough like fortitude to be like, carbonation, get the F out of here. But either way, uh, being a person who has experience with uh, more vomiting than you, you know, some of us are, are more vomiters than others. It always makes you feel better. And I think, uh, you know, it fueled you guys to uh, to getting into that dream break. But, but it, like, it's funny to think I, you know, I quit my corporate job, came back to pro pickleball, <laughs> and I'm sitting there like dying. It's like 80 degrees. I like can't see straight. I'm vomiting. I'm like, and all I can think is like, what did I do to myself? Like, why am I doing this? Like, what is wrong with me? Like, the glory. Life- but anyways, totally worth it. Yeah, we got second. Second place. Totally worth it. Totally. <laughs> it was. And then ended up rematching the same team in the finals. Uh, so got to got to lose to them twice. So I guess in the Bay Area, what can I say? You proved it. Um, uh, but it'll uh, always fuel that practice getting into the next one. And, um, and really props. I know uh, some of our friends uh, going into the first MLP were like, Challenger League, what's that? They're not the real pros. And then once they saw it, they were like, oh, wow, like this field is deep. These matches are tight. Yeah. And uh, Challenger... Well, a lot of people a lot of people are like, oh, Jill Braverman, she hasn't played pro in a year. Like, don't draft her. Don't take her. Like, that's a mistake. Uh, even even your coach, Dave Fleming, admitted that he had some, some doubts. He wouldn't have drafted me, but I ended up being in Dallas a couple weeks before for work and some some other appointments and we played together and he was like, Oh shit, she still got it. So, <laughs> and uh, I think we mentioned this on an earlier pod, but like, yeah, part of the, part of the reason you're throwing your, your hat, your name back in the hat is, is that you kept expecting this sort of game to pass you by and yeah. kept looking around and realizing, uh, you can school these people. My name in my, my name in the hat, the hat in the ring, the, <laughs> the pato on the, yeah, the pato the, in the, the, in the hoop. <laughs> <laughs> the, what is it called? I don't even remember. Gora. Um, okay. So what are your suggestions to improve MLP? I think you have a few if you uh, if you want to discuss or are you holding off? Um, I think probably hold off for now. I guess the the number one suggestion would be their, their substitution rule. And this is probably like too, probably too much into the pro game here, but yeah, I think it puts players in a really compromised position where, like, if I would have substituted out that final game, I would have been out the entire event. But really, I think I just needed a rest. Like, mm-hmm. But instead, I put myself in a position where, like, God forbid, I fell again in that final match and I fell on the same spot. Like, game over, right? So I wish the substitution policy was different. Yeah, and I think um, going back to season one, where I personally was helping wrangle players to get mic'd up. Like bringing that back. I mean, the technology nowadays yes. for mics, I feel like we can get to a place where it's not so annoying. It's not oh my so gosh. cumbersome to hold yes. the mic pack. I don't know. I'm, I'm not we a have to TV mic, producer. We but. have to mic players up. Like the sideline conversations. Um, I mean, even stuff like, you know, why do we love hockey so much? Like why does everyone go nuts when – hockey players start fighting each other and like yelling at the fans. And there was this instance in our finals where um, a fantastic player by the name of Pablo Tellez got in a fight with a really rowdy spectator whose spoiler alert was Brandon French's brother who flew in to surprise him and proceeds to get kicked out 
of Major League Pickball, which so, is a totally another story for another time. But in the you know, span of 12 seconds, we had the first person booted out of a pickleball tournament ever, ever. and the first blue card. Yeah. <laughs> but I just remember thinking, God, that exchange between them, although profanity laden, is something that's probably never been seen in the sport before. And there's all these like first time, never been seen before experiences that happen in this team atmosphere that are not captured and conveyed correctly mm -hmm. across a screen. Yeah. And if MLP can figure out how to do that, it will win the hearts of every pickleball player in America because we're humanizing the players. Like I'm obsessed with Formula One drive to survive. Like I find myself checking F1 news now. Like mm -hmm. these people have been humanized to me and we need to do that at every opportunity in the pro game to endear viewers and players to the sport. There's only 200,000 tournament pickleball players and there's like 8 million players. So mm -hmm. like, can we capture the 7 million Plus others. others. The bottom of the iceberg. But in fairness, if you're talking about Formula One Drive to Survive, it's a documentary that's edited post the competition. When yeah. you watch Formula One, you're seeing a very different thing than that. And we are going to get to see at least one, if not three, mm -hmm. pickleball documentaries this year. So I think they're closely following what New York they'll, Hustlers. They'll all, they'll all suck. They'll all suck because I'm not <laughs> – you know what I'm going to say? I'm not in one of them. No, I'm just <laughs> Machu talking to you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but yeah, so call my agent. It's uh it's an incredible sport and um it's so much fun to play because of that. Like because when you get out on the rec games with your friends, like there is chirping, there is SHIT yeah. talking. There, there is that fun sort of like I beat you, and then the next point you beat me, and you're gonna be just as confident back. And um, definitely, definitely love that. And um, it kind of it brings up a, a discussion that I feel like now we're getting too long winded. But like, what is the line? Like, what what's fair in a love and war and sport? And um, okay, I you, think this is a great question. This is an awesome question because in our match versus Miami, there was a gentleman on their side by the name of Jeff Warnick who, like, I love Jeff. I like his trash talk, but I know – You played him. with Jeff. I've played with him as a partner. On yeah. Purpose. But, like he's... but I know him. Mm -hmm. So, right. like, when he's trash talking, I think it's funny. Like, he mm -hmm. yelled, go back to duper, like, a bunch of times to me. Like, get her <laughs> off a of court. She doesn't belong here. I just – I just – country is that? Yeah. <laughs> Archery is its national sport. Yes. No, I'm kidding. Pato is. Data is its national sport, actually. But I think that's funny. Like, it doesn't have an effect because I know the person. Right. But other players on my team who don't know him, and then he's yelling, you know, you're basically playing. miss. He's like he, taunting, like, you're about to miss before it even happened. So that's, it's, it's, it's a fine line. Idea. And ultimately, that's my fault. And I'll tell you why that's my fault. I'm the team captain. I should have been able to sense sooner from my 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 teammates that they were being negatively affected. And then I could have gone to the referee and I could have said, could you watch for this? I think this is crossing a line. Like this is not taunting. This is aggressive taunting. But because I'm sitting there like an idiot laughing and so is Brandon mm -hmm. and so are members of his team, the referee isn't psychic. Yeah. 
Like, and I think I, I overheard one of the referees actually later in the week talking about like where they decide the line is. And a lot of it is, is like if it's a mutual mm-hmm. sort of thing and it's mutually laughing, they assume that everyone's sort of on board. And in this case, right, it's MLPC or a team. It's the two teammates well, on the sideline who like it and the people playing on the court who are like, whoa, this is – Well, also I'm going to talk about weird. something that's probably not very popular right now, but I think there's um, like a gender discrepancy here. Like, For sure. We're going to get into this with mean tweets for sure. There's, there's a gender discrepancy. So like if I hit someone in the face, I would like literally apologize, sorry. I wouldn't like – cheer and scream in their face. And, you know, Brandon hit Christian Olshan, a player from the Barrier Breakers, in the face, put his fist up, screamed, like, was excited about it. And I, and I remember being like, holy heck, like, yeah, it's a bit that's, much. that's a lot. That's a lot. Because if you don't um, know already, right, usually when someone gets hit in the head, let alone like a yeah. general body bag, it was going out. So it's not like you hit such a great shot. It's like, you're right. lucky they, so, their body on the way. I don't feel like I've ever done anything that you know, egregious, but Brandon passes and I'm being me like super energetic. I always compliment someone when they play a great point or hit a winner down my line, Mm -hmm. but just being a female and being fiery really upsets other females. It Mm -hmm. really, really does to the point where like, I wasn't getting paddle taps from a girl. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I couldn't have been more complimentary of you when you were winning points but Mm -hmm. because i'm a female a female i'm not allowed to be fiery and it just feels like there's this weird i don't know like standard stand yeah double standard in sports between men and women so that's two things or or like if a woman's a woman's fiery she's a bitch like when there's the there's the general public saying i like this guy because he's fiery and i don't like this girl because she's fiery that's a full double standard technically you're also dealing with the women hating women problem or that like women take it more personally or women, you know, don't like it as much. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a dance, but ultimately. Well, I, well, you see this in business too. If a woman is assertive in business, she's aggressive. Domineering. Yeah. If a man is aggressive in business, he's just doing his job. He's bold. He's brave. <laughs> he's, he's promoted. Promoted. He's a executive worthy. He must be tall. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is interesting how how we view things I know. and uh, how the the cadence of your voice and the tone of your pitch and other things about uh, the way we uh, delineate men and women can can affect that as well. But all you can do is just keep being you and keep being the. Most entertaining female in pickleball. Quote. Thank you. Yes. Um, and uh, and yeah, keep being a great role model and a great leader and the people that love you will well, love that, you. That's and- what was fun about post-MLP. I had more kids come up to me or parents come up to me and say, "My, you're my, you are my kid's favorite player. Oh mm-hmm. my God, my kid fell in love with you. You're so entertaining to watch. When you hit a bad shot – you're, you're smiling when your opponent hits a good shot, you're smiling, like you're always smiling. Um, and that was really impactful for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to be someone kids look at and think I want to play like that or I want to watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we listened to a, another podcast by the author of um, – what was that movie with the, the kid who gets on the team with Sandra Bullock, Michael Uh-oh. Lewis? Anyway – 
behind the line was the something line. Now my listeners are like dying in their seats going, it's that one movie. But point being, he had this podcast and he talked about... Um, Blindside. Yeah, there we go. There was some kind of side or line. Yeah, you were close. But he, he talked about how basketball players now are so known for complaining about calls. Mm-hmm. To me, like that's the ultimate unsportsmanlike contact. It's like the ref is there as a neutral party. It's not like you're complaining at the other team's coach. You're literally complaining at the neutral party who you want to call your opponent out on them being unfair. And they're calling you out on something that you breached. And mm-hmm. and they set that example for kids, like yelling at the ref and screaming and getting. It's like, look, don't do it. You know, I, I feel like there's so many uh, things in the court of law in the world that are that are unfairly biased. But like you're playing basketball in the same court, with the same shape, the same flat, like it's pretty much – we got instant replay in all these well, sports now. It's so fair. And people still are yelling at the ref, like of all people. Yeah. And I think MLP did an incredible job of removing the ref from lines line calls mm-hmm. this season. So it's the first time a ref has not been responsible for line calls, couldn't overturn a line call unless challenged with video replay. And it created like the five, six smoothest matches I've ever played in my life. The one interesting thing is um, how come in sports we like normalize – fouling and like cheating sometimes, right? Like in basketball, mm-hmm. right? The, the clock's running down. We normalize fouling someone. And what was interesting, my first ever experience with this in Major League Pickleball was the clock was, you know, metaphorical clock was running out. It was 2020 in one of my matches and an opponent called a ball out that he knew was in. But he thought, why, why not? not? Why not? Because there's no penalty for this. I lose a challenge. That's my penalty if I'm wrong. I don't need a challenge. There's only two more points left in the match. So what do you do with like blatant cheating behavior? And again, at what point is like, is that, is that gamesmanship? He's just playing the game. Hey, don't hate the player. Hate the rules of the game versus Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. no, cheating is never okay. And he was overruled, laughed about it and said, I knew the ball was in. Yeah. So- so far, basically, we've established that the line of inappropriate behavior is a like pre pre shot taunting, right? Mm-hmm. To in instill uh, poor behavior from your opponent, but post shot cheering when you do something good, everyone's behind. So I looked up like the the keys to good sportsmanship, and the this this is the list. Number one, have a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Like we can all get behind that you and Brandon are like the most positive people in the world. Uh, give your best effort. I mm-hmm. mean, you're literally getting bonked in the head and puking and coming back and fighting your best. Shaking hands with the other team. Always. Only opponents of yours are the ones not shaking hands. Supporting your teammates by saying good shot or good try. Like Always. that is every single Every single miss you ever see Jill's opponents uh, make, she's the first to turn around and clap her paddle and say, next one, next one. My partner. My partners. Yes. Partner. Yeah. And um, and and never criticizing a teammate for trying, especially never. like making a good choice and it didn't work out. Yeah. Accepting calls. Again, like not arguing with officials. No. I, I hate it when players are disrespectful to the refs. I, it drives me I know. nuts. I know. I was like, come on. Uh, treating the other team with respect and never tease or bullying. And to me, that that goes hand in hand. It's like bullying in, in definition 
also is to say that you are picking on someone smaller than you, Never. right? When you're defending the small person for the sake of fairness, that's not bullying, right? Um, and following the rules of the game, obviously, mm-hmm. not trying to manipulate the rules or cheat, um, helping another player who's fallen, mm-hmm. absolutely, hand out. Like, I've seen you, remember the Dan Raditi yeah, picked point up Dan a couple years ago? Or, like, he fell down, he ran across the net to, like, give him a hand and pick him up. Like, when do you see that? Um, and taking pride in winning without rubbing it in. I mean, obviously, that's a that's a little bit of a subjective thing that mm-hmm. I I'm sure I could see some people thinking you're rubbing in some of your victories. Well, it was it was it was funny because I said to Dave Fleming, our our general manager and our coach, and just one of the most respected pe- respected people in the industry. I said to him, "Will you let me know if at any point I'm out of hand? Because I'm fiery, I'm cheering, I'm mm-hmm. like nutty, right? I'm like, let's go, it's a team." Yes, and he was like you're nowhere near it. Like, you're fine. But go, still, go, go. like, yeah. I had a player not tap my paddle. And I remember being so befuddled by that. And I just I just wish we, like, normalized this with women. I wish women look – my female opponents looked at that and said, like, I want to be more like that, not mm-hmm. I hate that and want to put it down. Yeah. Like, what? No. Like, Well, the- and I think all I can say is a lot of the things that offend us or bother us the most are the things that we already yeah. feel are kind of like problems or it's basically things saying we're insecure I, it's about. basically saying you affected me. Yeah. And that bothers me. Yeah. It's not um, saying I thought you were unsportsmanlike. It's saying you had an effect on me. You made me feel, feel uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And I didn't like that. Yeah. But you gotta look within yourself and you have to change that. Yeah. And accepting a loss without whining or making excuses is the final Final thing on this list. Things I think are unsportsmanlike, obviously, like the eye rolling drives me nuts. So nuts. I mean, you're professionals out there and you know your partner is trying their best and I still see so much eye rolling on the court. Well, like, like when we lose. How's that going to help the next point? You you're, you already lost this one. When we lose, all I can think about is what could I have done differently? Right. And I think nine out of 10 people think, what could my partner have done differently? And it's incredible Mm. when you start to rewire your brain to be not a victim, but like play above the line and and take accountability, how much better you'll play Mm -hmm. and everyone around you on your team. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see in the comments people's take on it, to be honest, because I'm sure we'll have some, some more mean tweets. So um, I think we we covered MLP pretty pretty uh, thoroughly, but um, if you didn't already see any of Jill's tags or um, posts this week, there were a lot of comments about you stumbling around the court, falling, and uh, it's so funny because as I've previously stated, right, like my mom being the least coordinated, least athletic, least competitive person, Jill being the most coordinated, most athletic, most competitive person I know, both loving pickleball. If you don't know, Jill is not only a former D1 tennis player, obvious, um, but also basically almost as good as me at golf. And uh, that may not mean anything to you people out there, but she 
is a scratch golfer, which means she's a zero. I'm basically a plus three. So you add strokes to my score and she just is a null. Uh, and not only that, but she can almost keep up with me on skis and she crushes a basketball court. She was like uh, all South Southern California kayaker until her mom was like, look, we're doing tennis. That's what we do in this. I'm not, driving your ass, I'm not driving your ass to San Diego. <laughs> I'm not going to Downey. <laughs> I, 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 bought a cor- I bought a home with a tennis court. Get your butt on it. <laughs> I might put Downey in the washing machine. That's the end of it. That's funny. Um, so yeah. Oh, and beach volleyball. So beach that's, volleyball. that's really why you've been falling is you and Elise have played too much volleyball. No, no, no. Elise Jones is a player who dives I stumble. It's very different. Very different. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and read you some of the uh, most excellent comments. Okay, so we're doing mean tweets right now. Yes. Do we need a transition for this this segment? I love this. I feel like we might have enough for for everyone. Mean tweets with K dubs. All right, do it one more time. Mean tweets with K dubs. In fairness, these are Instagram comments. Okay, mean Insta comments. But here we go. So uh, Scotty Pickleball says, introducing her new sponsor, Band-Aids by Johnson & Johnson. I mean, hi, Johnson & Johnson. Do you need our uh, email address, website, or uh, phone number? Okay, here's what I'd say to Scotty Pickleball. I will give you 10% royalties on any deal you can do for me with uh, Tylenol and Band-Aids. Let's go, Scotty Pickleball. Get after it. <laughs> Call my agent, Josh. Um, she has the worst balance of any professional athlete. You know... I would say that's that's not not true. Your balance is like shockingly not as good as I was expect. But then you passed that DUI roadside test an hour okay, before. So. so in my concussion exam, true story, uh, they're like, close your eyes, stand on one foot. That is shockingly difficult. I it urge is. everyone listening right now to stand up, close your eyes, get on one foot. Tell me how long you last. Um, all right. Who, who is this? In- Two. What's this handle? Three. Who's this person? That was life after dusk. Oh, wow. Deep mm. and dark. Okay, life after dusk. Um, I am 98% legs. I'm just I'm just limbs and a head, okay? So I'm just basically go- t- toppling over. I, yeah, I'm in a constant state of just limminess on the court. Um, yeah, but uh, so there you go. That, that would be my response to uh, life after dusk. Uh, Dallin Taggart says, I don't understand how someone so uncoordinated can play pro pickleball so well. Well, first of all, there's a compliment buried in there. <laughs> all right, Dallin Taggart um, shares the last name of my favorite heroine, Dagny Taggart. Um, I, uh, I think I responded to this. I said, yeah, mm-hmm. True, truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this one is, uh, from YouTube. I don't think, uh, sorry, from, what does that say? Oh, one ninja mom. One ninja mom. All right. One you had me at ninja. You lost me at your comment. One ninja mom cares about coordination. I'm ready. Give it to me. I don't think I've ever wanted a team to lose more. What terrible sportsmanship from the Dallas team. Brutal, but obviously missing the point. Brutal. Um, well, I'm sorry she wanted Team Dallas to lose. We did. So clearly I need to convince her to want us to win so we win next time. There you go. She's got, she's got some immense powers. Up. She's got some immense – four people gave her thumbs up? Wow. wow. Just goes to show. Like, uh, what's that saying? Love's company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next person's pro pickleball gear. So this is like a company. Okay. Publicly, <laughs> publicly, going around the internet, putting their company pro pickleball gear I'm ready. out to say – 
more like Dallas pickleball crybabies. Like, when did we cry? When I got hit what? in the head? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, Life after dust came back for more. And they said, why did she fall so awkwardly too, though? Mm. Is, there, is there a graceful way to fall? Maybe Elise Jones knows. Yeah. No, I'd say uh, blame it on the concussion. Yeah. Then there were several people, including Heidi Pickleball, who were like, she must have super weak ankles. To which I think Dr. Cynthia agrees. Yeah. So clinically, I think that was validated, actually. Post-falling, post, post <laughs> I had the um, fantastic doctor, Dr. Cynthia at Major League Pickleball, say, I watched you falling in the finals, and I think your left shin needs to be strengthened because it looks like you're absorbing the shot really well, and then you just have trouble moving back forward again. You're like Sonic the Hedgehog. Do you remember that game where he like, gets to the edge of a cliff and is like wheeling his arms? Um, G G oh, here's another one. Also, this is a lot of mean Instagrams. I don't know We're how much longer I can. Are we getting to the good ones? Okay. Uh, yeah, so Jay Alexander, blah, 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 says she needs ankle mobility. So there's more. There's more. And then um, GK8213, real creative, um, has uh, said a bit over dramatic. And then someone followed that up with women in general, always over dramatic. Wow. <laughs> half joking, LOL. Are you, are you half joking or are you full joking? Because kind of unsay that. Half a truth is a whole lie. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's skip through to the, to the best ones. There were a lot of, is that a life alert commercial? Uh, I've fallen and I can't get up comments. Fair enough. Fair enough. Shout, shout, uh, shout back to like, what was that? The 1980s? I would love that. I would love a little bracelet on the pickleball court that, uh, you know, necessitated a, a little pick me up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's one of my favorites. Pickle alert. Dirt asked 68. Dirt asked 68 says, winners advance to the three-legged race. Oh. Nice. That's nice. great. That's really good. Uh, yeah. The rest basically just pointless. But point being, you really got the internet abuzz by your falling. I love to it. To which I say what my dad always said. Uh, to which I would, I would falling, say pick, pick a – You ain't trying. That's true. You ain't falling, you ain't trying. And again, in the unsportsmanlike conduct phase, uh, category, I see so many people who hit a high ball and literally turn their back to the ball. Yeah. Like they're, they're completely just saying, well, here, have the point. Like, at least put your paddle out and get low. Well, that, that's a really interesting point. And, I, and I'm happy you brought that up. And, you know, we've been joking and laughing about this before. But let's talk about it kind of semi-seriously now, which is I'm always trying for the ball. And I can't tell you how many pros I know who just fully turn their back, like you just said. It's a wiffle ball. Yeah. So always trying for the ball. Like, I'm always going to get the ball. I'm never going to turn my back. You ever see a ping pong player do that? Turn their back? No. Right. It's a ping pong ball. Like it's, it's, it's like part of the childhood ping pong game is like, <laughs> turn, turn your uh, shirt up and let's whack balls as hard as we can at you. Like, a wiffle ball is not that much farther from it, which yeah. is why... And then to the, people, to, to the people that said I'm uncoordinated, I would say put any amount of money on any sport that you would like to compete against me at, and let's go. Yeah. All right. So as we know, psychologically, people tend to remember the negative more than the positive. So I'm going to finish this off with some great positive tweets. Oh, thank you. This 
tweet comes from Tim Cruz loves you. So I guess he loves everyone. Tim Cruz loves you. But he says, I don't know why, but I love Joe Braverman. To which, actually, he said Dra- Braver ma'am. So I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he likes you. Maybe he likes someone who's close to you, but not quite. No, he's being respectful. Instead of calling me sir, he's calling me ma'am, Braver ma'am. I love it. Love it. Uh, and Nani Mary Wright, shout out, Tito's Mary. Uh, she said, she is very cool. Exclamation point. <laughs> Wislock Bay says those were epic. Oh. To which I'm not sure if he's complimenting you or memes of pickleball, but I'm gonna choose to think of it as positive. Fair. And uh, well played, sir. Uh, again, well, I like you it. know we're supporting the the world of humor. No, uh, and I, I got a lot of like there were more. LinkedIn and Facebooks and Instagram being like you're you know you're a joy to watch, and I and I love that. I love the like pickleball is joyous so as pro athletes we need to exude that and it's funny how many people i've met who are pros who say oh like major league pickleball feels like it's just a little gimmicky like it's built for entertainment and i look at them and go what business do you think we're in we're in the entertainment business yeah Um, and i don't know i don't know maybe that's because my background's on the corporate side of it that like I get it. Like I get why sponsors come in. They come in because there's viewerships. There's viewership. Viewers are there because it's entertaining. We are entertainers. Full mm-hmm. stop. Full stop. Yeah. You don't have paychecks without viewers. You don't have sponsors no. without viewers. Viewers don't watch unless it's entertaining. Exactly. Yes, I'm a biggest as big a fan of anyone uh, of athleticism and um, you know displays of uh of athleticism but it's it's nothing without uh, uh, an entertaining uh side of it and then i just realized i missed one of my favorite ones from john tomichi she moves around like a newborn deer so i'm gonna start making hats that just say bambi forget the jilly b hats call me bambi bambi well said well played well played Mm mm-hmm so, yeah, keep them coming, people. Didn't you have a, a quote from a pro? Oh, yeah. I was thinking of skipping that one. But uh, someone named Sick Tricks Irina uh-huh. said uh, there was a drinking game going on today. Every time she drops drink, I think some people got pretty hammered. Ah, uh, that would and, explain why her team didn't make it to the finals then. Yes, and that, that hammered person clearly showed up and got Pablo a blue card. <laughs> I love it. I love it when pros do deep dives on my Instagram and I've never even looked at theirs. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Stalker. Um, so we did have some other uh, other deeper comments from uh, the NML crew, the No Man's Land pickle crew. You want to go through that? You, you're the boss, boss. All right. So I'm going to skip uh, some of it, but most of it was pretty positive, um, especially uh, on um, – the Braverman bump, as they called it. So which, I thought that was bump on the head, by the way. I think it might have been a bit of both. Pun intended. Uh, in any event, the Braverman bump proved to be a real thing and more for Dallas on the weekend. Despite her limited pro play over the past calendar year, Braver Ma'am, just kidding, Braverman, <laughs> was everything that I expected she could be on the court other than the unprecedented amount of falling that she managed to accomplish. It's a skill. 
But um, I liked what they said about her comfort on the left, which mm-hmm. I uh, I did a, our own little deep dive on your on your Instagram of the timeline of that move from the right to the left and the bump on the head. But her comfort on the left also afforded Dallas the mm. ability to optimize the unorthodox mixed play of Brandon French, who played better than I anticipated at any point, which I think you have a very real explanation of why that works so well for mm-hmm. you and Brandon. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain to our uh, listeners why why they might play the left as a female on a mixed team? Yeah, this is such a great question. This notion of, of left and right, and I've even been like so annoyed by a gentleman whose name I will not mention, who's a commentator who's interviewed me before post-match and said like, you know, he said to my male partner, you let her play on the left. Can you talk through the logic of that? And like... Mm. This double standard. This narrative of like men play the left and women play the right is like the stupidest thing. Like you have two variables in front of you called opponents. Okay. And depending on where they stand and their strength in front of you is super important to where you should be. Like if you've got a really strong female in front of you or male, just forget it. Just a really strong player in front of you who's flicking you in the same spot over and over and you can't defend it, switch. Uh, You have Annalie Waters who, when she plays with Riley Newman, plays a lot on the right side. Her backhand's so strong, it's basically a forehand in the middle. Like You have countless examples of women playing left, men playing right. Like This notion of we have to be in our positions, is it's so, I don't know if antiquated is the right word, it's just so it's so wrong. Like play where the matchup dictates, play for the highest percentage of opportunity to win the points. Right. So your strength play to win are your two handed backhand. Mm-hmm. Brandon's strength is his reach over tomahawk, tomahawk, which tomahawk. if you don't realize, yeah, is that basically you take your forehand, which normally exists over your right shoulder, turn it around, put that forehand over your left shoulder, yeah. and then slam it down into the right. Which is a way more comfortable, like, just do this right now, like, everyone, viewers at home, listeners, put your right arm over your head, like, like you're per- like, perpendicular. Hey, something's about to hit me. Yeah. Like, that is a very Bam. comfortable position. Now, try and make your elbow go perpendicular to your shoulder. Put, put your hand up like a stop sign, that's pretty uncomfortable for most people. So Brandon has this incredible tomahawk. So if you put him on the right, he has that. And then I also have my forehand and now I have my backhand. Two strengths in the middle and his strength. So right. and it's like a no lose. Something where a, a kinesio or, or a specialist in the body could explain. But like if you also take that tomahawk across your head, like you're you know bracing for the yeah. sun in your eyes, yeah. And you flip your hand backwards where people normally are hitting their backhand. That's a different muscle group, right? Yeah. That backhand, as you even commented, someone this week who's really good at that amazingly is Hurricane Tyra, right? Mm-hmm. Has that one-handed backhand. So That's good. tough. That's tough. But if you flip that hand around, you're pushing, right? So anyway, they figured that out. They came back from, what, six or five points down in that match and basically stayed there the rest of the day. So... um you know, to each their own. Find out what works best for you and your teammate. And there's no rules here. And, and look, pickleball, pickleball is so nascent, is so new that like the rules are being written right now. Literally every tournament, there's like a new skill, a new strategy. 
someone hitting the ball harder. Don't be beholden to any. Mm-hmm. Don't be stuck. Don't be, limited. Don't be stuck. Don't be stuck. Be flexy. Win points. Be flexy. Be flexy like Bambi. Bambi. Be flexy like Bambi. Um, yeah. And uh, I think uh, I think you guys just uh, are the ultimate example of, of a coachable and adjustable team. And that's what got you there. And uh, I think... We, we all had perspective. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know we've done a deep dive on Major League Pickleball, but I hope everyone who's listening can take pieces of learning from what it means to be on a team, how to bring out the best in your team, whether that's in a pickleball landscape, a different sport landscape, uh, or even at corporate, work. corporate yeah. work landscape. Totally. And um, teams are life. Like we mm-hmm. don't, we don't live solitary, solitary lives in the woods. Yeah. Support your spouses on their weakest days. It's so easy to support people when they're doing well. So easy. It's so important to support people when they're having their worst day ever. You know, quit your job on your best day and support your your spouse on their worst and your yeah, spouses, your, te- your teammate your on their worst on their worst days. Um, I would say in golf, the only thing you should really be self critical of is a lack of commitment mm-hmm. to the plan. And if you commit to something and you fail, well, it's all you can do. So with that, your favorite segment of the podcast, dear Jilly. Okay, Nicole from New York writes, how do I help my partner when they are getting targeted throughout the match? This is super easy. I learned this in my very first tournament and it's a great question and a great skill. So the most natural dinking pattern is cross court. Why is that? It's a good question. I guess it's- um, Low part of the net, right? The lowest part of the net. It's naturally where your shoulder wants to move. It wants to move Mm. across your body. Um, it's easier for us to turn cross court than inside out. So and the distance, right? Like you have more room for it to bounce before yep. it gets to your opponent. Yep. So it's not a function of how how do I help my partner when they're getting targeted. It's a function of how does your partner help themselves. So you have to reframe it. They they your partner who's being targeted needs to take the ball more in front of them and down their line because. It will then promote a cross-court shot to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So does that extend to both at the kitchen and at the baseline, or is it different depending on whether you're at the, the return so or I'm, yeah, third? I'm, I'm talking about at the kitchen. So if we're at the baseline and I want to promote a return to my partner, I will return uh, in front of me. Same thing. It'll okay. always promote like a cross Most court. People, shot. you're going to expect a cross court. Yeah, cross court or middle shot. So obviously, that also would depend on if you're targeting someone on their team. Mm-hmm. You'd still maybe want to go the other direction. But yeah. basically, anytime you can hit to the cro- the person cross court from your stronger player. Yeah, in front of you're you. You're going to promote them hitting. Yeah. To that uh, that stronger player on your basically, team. if you play in front of you you will normally garner a, a cross-court shot to your partner. So to Nicole, who's wanting to do what she can to help protect her partner, she, she, needs she should educate, tell her partner. She needs to educate her partner. Right. But there's got to be at least one other thing she can do herself in court stack, positioning or, or Stack and play the left mm-hmm. side. You know, the geometry of the court is such that that left side player has more opportunities for balls. So play the left side. 
unless you're lefty. Unless you're lefty. Correct. Get that forehand in the middle. Mm -hmm. And and I would say you always tell me, don't just lunge for those balls Mm -hmm. when you're poaching. Move your feet, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think that when I've had moments where I played better in pickleball, it's always when I feel things slowly, like Mm -hmm. calmly. And I think sometimes the urgency when you're trying to defend your partner is to be too spastic and fast and wild. But calm, collected, hitting your spots, hitting their feet, right? Yep. So Shannon in Texas writes, how do I know when to stay back and when to go in? As well as our friend Lydia in New York asked, what can I do to improve my court positioning? So I feel like they yeah. were lumped so together. There's no such thing as bad pickleball players, just bad positions on the pickleball court. Like that is one of my greatest axioms in teaching. How can um, we have not put that on a t-shirt? Teaching. That's one of my greatest teaching uh, credos is, is, is there's no such thing as bad players, just bad positions. So for both Shannon and Lydia, um, staying back is one of the hardest things to do. There's this like crazy weird instinct to kamikaze in on the wrong ball. If you watch any pro match, you'll see it takes maybe five to 10 shots for a pro to get in and they're back. They're not in the middle of the court in no man's land. They're behind the baseline Mm -hmm. defending. And when they're defending those shots, they're not trying to be perfect. All they're trying to do is get the ball over the net, probably in the middle where there's not much angle for both players or both their opponents, and they're going to make their opponents hit one more shot. And I cannot tell you how many up-and-coming pros and 5-0 players and 4-5 players that I see, including one of my MLP teammates, who is trying so hard to make their third, fifth, seventh, and ninth shot perfect that they're hitting it in the net. And not only are they hitting in the net, they're creeping in after a really bad third, fifth, seventh Mm -hmm. shot. They're sprinting in after it kamikaze style. Stay back. When you stay back calmly with your partner, it's infuriating for the people at the net. It's so infuriating that infuriating. what do they end up doing? Overhitting. Your opponents will overhit mm-hmm. being so annoyed that they've hit three shots to you and they haven't finished the point that they'll hit out or they'll hit in the net or they'll drop shot you and bring you in, which solves your problem of how do I get in. Or wide. You see that too. Mm-hmm. Wide, out, net, long. Yeah. Wear them out. So be patient. Be patient and stay back, Lydia. There is no rush to get in on the wrong ball. Stay back. Defend. And do a drill like that too. Like drill with two people up, two people back, one person up, one person back, and try and work your way in. It could take you 10 balls. Yeah. Such a good drill. And you'll be shocked how often the people at the baseline win the point. Yeah. Shocked. Especially at a 3-5-4-0 level like I play. Yeah. Um, I remember I said to you, I'm like, all you need to do is get the ball over the net. Yeah. And I was aiming like for the person I was like here hitting back at the baseline, like flailing, trying to just hit it back to them kind of hard mm-hmm. or, or as a third, uh, as a drop into the kitchen is like, no, like the higher, the better. Cause when they have to hit that ball and it's like falling from the sky, yeah, it's that's hard. hard to time. And that's when you really see people hitting the net. Um, or they're like about to hit an overhead and they realize they have to let it bounce. All of that can work in your favor or even just trying to lob it over their heads. Yeah. Hope that helps. We, uh, definitely, there are a lot of different things that you can talk about with court positioning. So I'm sure we'll get into more of that 
down the road, but I think that's the biggest thing. I, I think the biggest thing for court positioning for amateurs is try and stay with your partner. It's it's a really bad recipe to be one up and one back. And you see that at mm-hmm. the pros a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost wish you didn't because I think it's bad teaching for the amateurs. Yeah, they're like people with the greatest hands in Ever. the world and the yeah. greatest fitness in the yeah. world doing what's impossible to do because they're trying to maximize their ability to gain a point, not just to minimize error. Yeah. But yeah. Stay with your partner. Wherever your partner is, you should be. Totally. Which answers a lot when it comes to wide in the side. It's amazing yeah, how much that would actually solve and fix. Like, totally. Try and be cognizant of how often you're in the same position of your, as your partner. Um, n- next, uh, next time we talk about this, we'll cover the the switching and not switching because I think mm-hmm. that's another good one. But sure, we've uh, we've taken too much of our listeners' time today. It was a it was a thick pod. It was. It was but, a juicy uh, pod. We're we're hopefully uh, glad you stayed with us. If you've made it this far, you're officially our number one fan. <laughs> and to that, I give you the greatest gift that I could ever give you, selfishly and narcissistically, Pickleball Bud's words. So enjoy, and we'll see you next time. Let's go! It's Pickleball Buzzwords. Let's go! Carbon fiber, vibration tamping, extra gritty, edgeless paddle, 360 seamless, one-piece construction, dynamic tension, epoxy resin, Limitless control. Classy look. Confident hold. Is this a hairspray? Maneuverability. Last pass filtration. Trampoline effect. Nitro infusion. Textured surface. Carbon fiber. Carbon fiber. Carbon fiber. Honeycomb core, polymer core, control core, apple core. It's big old buzzwords. Let's go. Foam injected, elongated, ergonomic, string engaging, graphite inlay, aerodynamic, technokinetic, arthritic. All styles, carbon fiber, all levels, all prices, all colors, all your paycheck, carbon fiber. It's pickleball buzzwords. Let's go. This pickleball life is a tomahawk production, 100% organic and homegrown. Music by K-Dub, editing by K-Dub and Jilly B. Thank you to our sponsors, pbgods.com and No Thanks a Tour. Do you have a question for Jilly B? Email us at thispblife at gmail.com to be included in future episodes. Don't forget to click subscribe.